I just want to read from God's Word this morning. If you've got a Bible on you or a Bible on your phone or whatever, that'd be great. Otherwise, it will appear behind me. It's a short reading this morning, and we're reading from Psalm 131. I'm going to read to you guys. This is God's Word this morning. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a winged child with its mother. Like a winged child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And we thank God this morning for his word, which still speaks to us today. Well, Happy New Year to you all. And just like that, or how it feels, you know, and how we all feel every year, right? When the clock strikes, you're like, wow, that year went really quickly, right? Just like that, it is 2023. And, and days like today, okay, uh, are often funny days, aren't they? In many ways, it's just like any other day, right? Somebody's already told me this morning, well, yesterday was just Saturday, right? It was just a Saturday. Last night was just a Saturday night. And today is just a Sunday. In many ways, they're just like any other day. And yet in other ways, New Year's Day often becomes this space where we find ourselves looking back over the year that has been, don't we? We look Back over 2022, reminded of its pains and its triumphs, its challenges, events, changes, right? Things that happened in our lives. We find ourselves looking back. But also, on days like today, we find ourselves looking forward, don't we? We find ourselves looking to the year ahead. And I don't know about you, where you sit this morning, what's going on in your life, what's been, what's ahead, but maybe you find yourself this morning maybe daunted at the year ahead, maybe excited, maybe with significant life events ahead, babies due, weddings being planned, graduations, maybe with scheduled treatment or operations, maybe with new jobs to start, maybe hopeful, maybe fearful today. I don't know. I have no idea what the year ahead will hold for any of us. And yet, as, and yet I have a good idea of what lots of us will be doing today, and that will be making resolutions, right? Maybe you've already done it. Maybe the clock struck 12 and you jotted them down in your phone or your diary. But I know for many people, you will be making resolutions today. St- stats will suggest that one in three of us, if you haven't already, are feeling the pressure right now to make New Year's resolutions, right? You're feeling the pressure, something to set ourselves towards. And yet there's always this danger with resolutions, isn't there? The danger is always that you can go too big or you can go too small, right? You can go too big and set yourself a goal so ridiculous that there's literally no chance that you're ever going to get it done, right? In some ways, there's no point in setting a goal that you can achieve too easily, is there, right? In some ways, like, what's the point in a goal that you can do, okay? That's not a goal in the end of the day. I will not eat chocolate for one day, right? That's, that's, not a, that's not an acceptable New Year's resolution. I will read the Bible, right? Once. That's, I mean, again, I'm not, you're not getting away with that one, right? Or in 2014, in a particularly deep moment, Khloe Kardashian's New Year resolution was this. My 2014 mission is to wear a crop top with jeans. I've never done that, so it has to happen one day. I mean, really, right? Really, I mean, I don't know if that's deep for Khloe Kardashian or not. I don't know, but right, a crop top with jeans, okay? 
Some of you are feeling seen right now. It, it, I mean, I mean, it, it makes it make you might make you feel better about yourself setting a goal that you can easily achieve, right? Like tick, you know, achieve that one, right? But it's not going to get you anywhere if you strive towards something that you can easily do right now. The other danger is that you go really big, right? Like one of my friends a couple of years ago decided that he would only drink water for the next year, right? That sounds really easy on paper, but in reality, right, that's really blooming difficult, right? Or for someone who's never run to set themselves a target of running a marathon or to learn Mandarin or to read like a hundred books, right? My feed this morning was full of people saying things that they were going to do in 2023. There's this danger we can almost pitch so far beyond ourselves that we never get off the ground. And regardless of what you choose to set yourself towards, the stats will suggest that to be honest, you're probably doomed anyway, right? Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. 80% of us will break our New Year's resolutions. 30% of us will break them within the first week. So good luck with your veganuary when you show up for brunch later on and someone's already ordered a bacon sandwich, right? Good luck, okay? Someone in the crowd is about to go, you can get vegan bacon, right? That's not a real thing. The question is, what are you setting yourself towards in 2023? Like, what do you get your eyes on? Where are you sending and pointing your life towards in this new year? What are you setting yourself towards? Today, we're starting a new series that's going to take us through uh, the month of January, and it's called Psalms for the Season. And I recognize, you know, that January tends to be a particularly reflective space for lots of people in terms of our personal lives. And so what we're going to try to do over the next month is to maybe push more into the personal as opposed to the corporate as different people over the next five weeks will take Psalms that are speaking to them in this season and hopefully help unpack them so that they begin to speak to you as well. And so today I've picked a really short Psalm to get us going. But make no mistake, it's not an easy Psalm, right? I've picked a short one, but not an easy one. Charles Spurgeon said, as he himself preached in Psalm 131, that it is one of the shortest Psalms to read, but one of the hardest to learn. So you want to set a goal, right? One of the shortest Psalms to read, but one of the hardest Psalms to learn. Why? Because it's a maintenance Psalm, right? It's a maintenance psalm. Like many people in my generation, spurred on by a mixture of coffee shops and Instagram. I'm looking at you, Sam Bell. Joy and I are the owners of many plants, okay? We are plant people. I mean, the number of plants we have killed is way bigger than the plants that are actually still alive, right? Just being honest, full transparency right now. But still, we are plant people. There's a lot of shame in the room right now when I mention dead plants, right? A lot of you have killed a monstera plant at some point in your life. And the thing is, right, that... We really like plants, but we just don't really have a clue about how to like grow them and look after them, right? I think some part of us thought that you just bought a plant, occasionally watered in it, and it flourished in your living room, right? But it turns out that that isn't the case, okay? It turns out that's not the case. And we have this Monstera plant, right, which is now attempting to take over ownership of our living room, okay? It seems to be just growing all the time. And at one point, we were looking at it, and they had these, like, long tentacles growing out of it, right? And so we're, like, sitting in our living room looking at these kind of things coming out of it and thinking, we're amazing at this, right? This is like a whole new, like, branches growing, a whole new plant, like, coming to life off our plant, okay? And we're, we're feeling, like, pretty happy with ourselves, right? We've successfully not killed it. It looks like this thing is flourishing until somebody who actually does know about plants was in our living room at one point, and they were like, ugh, 
those aerial roots are disgusting, right? You know, you just clip those off. And we were like, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 of, co- of course we knew that. Yeah, yeah, we, we knew you clipped off aerial, aerial roots, guys. Never heard of it in my life, okay? Of course we do. Yeah, yeah, we just, we just clip those things off, right? But it turns out that in order for your monstera plant to grow, you've got to cut these things off. The plant needs pruned. It needs pruned. And Eugene Peterson, writing of this particular psalm, writes this, that pruning gets rid of that which looks good to those who don't know any better. That's us with our plants, right? It gets rid of that which looks good to those who don't know any better. Pruning. We need pruned. Plants need pruned in order to grow and be healthy, and it turns out that so do we too. And this is a psalm that really speaks about pruning. When I say maintenance, really what I'm talking about this morning is pruning. It gets rid of that which looks good to those who don't know any better. I know that New Year's resolutions are all about setting ourselves a goal in order to grow ourselves or achieve or become a better version of ourselves. And what if part of how we do that is about how we are pruned? And if we were, what might the pruning look like as we look forward? What if part of how we look forward, how we might grow into this new year is about how we might be pruned And what might that pruning look like in your life and in mine? I say that today because this psalm has really been speaking to me over the last number of weeks. And I think that it talks about two types of pruning, two types of warnings, two kind of ways that you could maybe look at how you're going to be pruned, how you're going to grow in this next year. It has two kind of things that I think we need to pay attention to, two warnings, and it's these, to think too much of ourselves and to think too little of ourselves. To think too much and to think too little. The first of those is to think too much of ourselves. So coming up to Christmas, sorry, sorry to bring it back up, right? We have our Christmas tree down already, right? We're full bah humbug in our house. The tree is down, right? But coming up to Christmas, I was watching one of the best Christmas movies, obviously Arthur Christmas, and a few nods, a few people judging me right now, right? And sorry if I'm about to spoil it for you if you've never seen Arthur Christmas, but there's this moment where Steve, who is Santa's oldest son, okay? He's kind of the business-minded one, the mastermind behind the whole operation of Christmas, which has now been modernized with iPads and like some spaceship that delivers the presents and all that sort of stuff. So Steve, okay, uh, he, he sets down to try and deliver a gift to a little girl called Gwen, who did not get her present at Christmas, okay? So she's the kid who got left out for Christmas Day. She wasn't naughty. She just didn't get it, right? She misses the Christmas Eve delivery. So he jets down to the door, okay? Comes down from his spaceship thing, comes down to the door to Gwen and says this, good morning, Gwen, ho, 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 etc., etc. Apologies for the minor delays. I can't help myself but go into his voice. I'm sure that even a child can understand that in an operation as complex as Christmas, there's always an insignificant margin of error which is you. As a gesture, I've upgraded you to the Glamour Last Ultra X3, which retails at $9.99, more than your requested gift. Bigger, ergo, better. Ho, 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 etc. Bigger, ergo, better. And right there in the middle of this Christmas movie is one of the great temptations and narratives of the world in which we live. Bigger, ergo, better. 
to believe that bigger is always better. And it is particularly rife in the world of business leadership books and kind of business gurus, you know, the guys that have like the big Instagram channels where they bang out their one-liners that apparently improve your life inordinately, right? I mean, just to quote this from Grant Cardone's book, 10X, he says this, one of the greatest turning points in my life occurred when I stopped casually waiting for success and instead started to approach it as a duty, obligation, and responsibility. My life that's responsibility is that bigger, ergo, better. Success is my responsibility. Thing is, though, this isn't really anything new, is it? It's been a temptation for human beings for as long as we have existed. Expansion, acquisition, fame, just more of everything is deemed to be the success our hearts and our lives should be aiming for, isn't it? Our lives long for bigger, ergo, better, is what we tell ourselves. And that value in our world is probably most obvious in the term ambition, right? And we hear it loads. It's just everywhere in this world, in this life. Ambition, because it feels like we're being taught and told that we should live ambitious lives, shouldn't we? Like you should have an ambitious life. Like what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to be? Where do you want to go? How far do you want to go? How big do you want to go? We should be ambitious, The basic wisdom of our time is that we shouldn't wait for the world to come to us. We have to go get it ourselves. That's what that quote from 10X was saying. I can't wait for success. I have to go and get it myself. And the basic narrative is that we just have to take things in our own hands. And just like that, there's the problem. The theologian John Bailey wrote this, humility is the obverse side of confidence in God, whereas pride is the obverse side of confidence in self. Confidence in self and pride, they go together. Humility, it goes together with confidence in God. Ambition really is rooted in this sense that my life is in my hands and now I need to go and get it. That's what ambition really is whenever we think about it, isn't it? And the funny thing is that that is pretty much how the New Testament talks about sin. My life is in my hands. I'm in control. I'm the master and Lord and savior of my own life. And now I need to go and get it. My life, my way, my wants, my desires, me, me, me. You see, we can think too much of ourselves as we look forward, can't we? We want to set goals, that's good. We want to set ourselves towards things. That's good. I'm not critical of that at all. But as we set ourselves towards it, we can make it all about me, me, me. But there's this other way, okay? The Bible understands that maybe ambition is maybe uh, more so all about me, 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 and my way and how much I can get and go and do and all of that sort of stuff. There's this other way, and it's not ambition. It's aspiration. You see, we can be ambitious or we can be aspirational. Eugene Peterson defines aspiration as a hopeful striving for the best God has for us. Aspiration is the hopeful striving for the best God has for us. The psalmist writes this, My heart is not proud, Lord, and my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. In other words, To move from ambition to aspiration is to take all of that energy 
that we so easily default to putting into striving towards the picture of myself that I want, what I want, what I desire, and directing it towards the picture of what Jesus has for my life. It's all about taking that same energy that is about to direct itself towards everything I want and direct itself towards everything he wants for my life. It's what Paul writes about to the church in Philippi in Philippians 3 when he says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. There's that energy, right? That putting everything we have into this. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You want to know what aspiration is? There it is. Philippians 3 and verse 14. Here's the thing. Maybe as we look forward, we need to focus less on what I am going to do in 2023 and start asking about what Jesus is going to do in 2023 in you and in me. Maybe I need to stop focusing so hard on everything I want to do, everything I want to achieve, and start asking Jesus, what is it you want to do in me? I'm so struck by how so many of the Psalms and how they document time and time again the things that God has done and is doing. I was reading Psalm 105 just a couple of weeks ago, and it includes 44 verses of what God did and just one of what we do. We need to let go our desire to be God in our lives. What I will do, what I will become, we need to start asking God about what he will do in our lives in 2023. First danger, okay? As we think about maybe navigating some things we want to do, be, or become in this next year, is to think too much of ourselves. But the second danger is to think too little. To think too little. I was talking to Jerry and Louisa who come to church after church the other week and we were chatting about things that are quite stereotypical of people from different countries or cultures. And one of the things pretty distinct in Northern Ireland is this thing about being self-deprecating, right? We just can't help ourselves but be like put ourselves down and others, right? It's one of those things like you know, you really know you're in with someone when they start taking you down, right? That kind of bizarre backhanded compliment thing where like when someone really loves you, they start telling you how weak you are, right? You know somebody doesn't actually like you that much when they only say nice things about you, right? It's that strange Northern Irish thing, right? But we don't like it in this country when people get a big vision. Sure we don't. We, we kind of like, we deem that as suspicious. It's called tall poppy syndrome, but we, we don't like it. So we say things like, no, don't be getting any ideas, right? You know, we've all heard your granda say that one. Don't be getting ahead of yourself, you know, things like that. Or that young man, he needs to catch himself on, right? I can actually hear my granda say those things, right? Catch yourself on, son. I can practically hear him saying it, right? We say things like that, don't we? We don't like it when people get a big idea of themselves. Like in Northern Ireland, we sort of think, just leave that to the Americans, don't we? Like we don't do that sort of thing. That's what they do, right? Sorry, sorry. Bit close. We love you Americans, right? And so for some people, right, the result is that we don't really have any aspiration to go anywhere at all, do we? We're just happy to settle. And this can happen with our walk with Jesus too, can't it? That because it's such a temptation to try and be everything, that the end result is that we counter it hard and we go the other way entirely and we settle for not really growing or going anywhere at all. We let ourselves off the hook with our following Jesus, don't we? 
Like, do we aspire to grow? Do we aspire to go deeper in our faith with Jesus? Do we aspire to know more about the Bible? Do we aspire to have prayer lives that are more fully alive? Do we aspire to see our neighbors and our friends and the people that are around us come to know Jesus? Do we have any aspiration at all for our following of him? And interestingly, Psalm 131 says this, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a winged child with its mother, like a winged child. I am content. And the interesting thing about this verse, okay, when I was kind of learning to read the Bible, uh, people generally said that one of the things you want to look for is if there's words or phrases or things that get repeated across passages, then normally there's an emphasis there that we need to be looking at. The interesting thing is in one verse, we get this word winged twice, right? Twice. It's not like the Bible is too prude or anything like that to talk about breastfeeding. I mean, have you read Song of Solomon, right? It's that it's trying to say that part of how we are to live our walk with Jesus is to be winged. We're to be winged. And part of the key to going after God's best for our lives is not to think too little of ourselves. In other words, we need to grow up. We need to grow up. And the intent with which we follow him, and the intent with which we aspire to see Jesus come more alive in our life, to come more alive in the gifts that we have and the opportunities that our life has and the invitation into intimacy. That one danger is to think too little and to go after too little. We need to grow up. I obviously don't have the apparatus to have breastfed either of our two kids, right? That was impossible for me. But I was able to support my wife, Joy, as she fed both Elle and Levi. And I was also part of how we weaned both kids off, both breastfeeding and bottles, and onto solid foods. And for sure, the hardest part, particularly with our daughter, Elle, uh, was all around sleep, okay? Because it's such an easy thing and a natural thing whenever she woke in the middle of the night to just feed her over to sleep again, right? I was particularly in favor of that, right? Half asleep, like, just feed her, just please feed her, make the crying stop, right? Like, I was particularly in favor of that particular tactic, right? And so we concocted this plan in our house about what we were going to do when we were trying to, you know, move Elle off that, uh, which was that when we knew she could go for a certain amount of time without actually needing to be fed, like, you know, two hours or four hours or six hours, we had this plan that if Elle woke and it was inside whatever that time bracket was, then I would go into her and try to settle her, right? And obviously because I couldn't feed her, Elle would kind of go, all right then, and go back to sleep, right? And if it was over that amount of time, then we would feed her and we would kind of build that time up over time, right? That's what... We did. But here's the thing. We found out that what was happening as she was weaned was that she would eventually transition from finding comfort in being fed to finding comfort in just being with us. Me or joy. That over time, the comfort would come not just in what she so desperately thought she wanted or she needed, but in just being with us. From wanting what a baby wants to the comfort of a weaned child. The psalmist says that pruning and growing in our lives, it looks like that too. And just like, however, our experience with our kids, weaning and pruning is stormy, right? 
It's not easy. If any of you parents are in the room have ever done it, you'll know that it's not easy, right? There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of sense of like, we don't know what we're doing here. What is going on? Everything that seems so stable is now unstable. We're a bit lost. All of that sort of stuff, right? That's kind of how it feels. It's stormy. And I felt like when I was preparing this over the last week that I want to say to you particularly today that if that's you today, and you find that your relationship with Jesus is in this kind of stormy place. This place where maybe things that worked before don't necessarily feel that they work right now. This place where maybe you felt that you were close before, you maybe feel a little bit distant now. This place where maybe God's word spoke so loud and clear into your life and now you open it and it's hard to read. This place where your prayer life, like every time you felt like you were listening to God, he was right there. But now at times you feel you don't know where he is. I want to say to you today, maybe in this last season you find yourself with a sense that your faith no longer felt the way it did at the start. Or maybe the way God speaks to you has changed. Or maybe you're not using the gifts that you've always used for some reason. And when that happens, it's easy to feel lost or asking ourselves if God has abandoned you or if you've done something wrong, or if some way there is now some disconnect between you and God, I want to say to you today that God hasn't abandoned you. That he hasn't left you. That he hasn't forsaken you. That it's not like you've done something catastrophic, which means God no longer has any interest in your life. Do you know what? We believe in having a faith strong enough to sustain the fractures. Perhaps you are being weaned. Perhaps you're being weaned. Maybe this is a season where things in your life, maybe they're being weaned in this time, but actually what's happening is you're being weaned onto more solid things. Weaned away from the comfortable to the content, from God providing for my wants to trusting him with what I need. I love how one commentator writes of it. Christian faith is not neurotic dependency, but childlike trust. I love that. It's not neurotic dependency, but childlike trust. What does childlike trust look like, right? Well, there is this other way that's not too much and it's not too little. And that's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 131. The message paraphrases it beautifully. It says this, I've kept my feet on the ground. I have cultivated a quiet heart. I have cultivated a quiet heart. I want to say to you today that maybe if you're in a season of being weaned, maybe God maybe feels more distant than he has for a while. Maybe he feels more silent than he has for a while. Maybe your faith feels a bit harder than it has for a while. Maybe you're being weaned in this season. Maybe what the Lord is trying to do in you is to cultivate a quiet heart. And that being weaned and learning to grow and expect more of our relationship with Jesus as we look forward is to go the way of quiet confidence in all that God has done and all that God wants to do in and through you and me. New Year's resolution. Psalm 131 says that there are two dangers as we look forward. One is to think too much of ourselves. To think that 2023 will be marked by all of the things that I want and I think I need and I can do and I can, can kind of aim my life towards. It's all about me, 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 that I'm in control and I'm going to go and get it in 2023. This life isn't about what I want to do. It's about what Jesus wants to do in your life. 
But second warning is that you can think too little of yourself. That you can let yourself off the hook. That you might not aspire at all in your faith. We need to trust him with our growing and believe that we can follow Jesus with a quiet heart. Not easily buffeted by all that is going on around us or fussing over just what we want. But trust him to lead us further and deeper into him. This is the way of humility and faithful aspiration. The way of humility and faithful aspiration.